Hello, everybody. Welcome back to U Press Place Sports for the fall for the spring 2022 semester. I'm your host and business manager, Richard Pereira. Joining me today is sports editor Bryce Totes and staff writer Kevin Garcia. Hey guys, uh, how's it been going? It's been going good. Sports has been crazy though, um, with the NFL playoffs starting up, and mm-hmm. you know basketball is getting almost close to that midseason form for FAU and the NBA. We're seeing a lot going on right now with the NBA as well. So, yeah, it's an exciting time to be a sports fan. Unless you're a Cowboys fan, of course, but, you know, it, it's... <laughs> yeah, that, that one is true. Uh, yeah, we, we, we will talk about that. But first, uh, we got to talk about FEU sports and uh, specifically FEU basketball. Yeah. Uh, starting, starting with the men's, uh, uh, for both the men's and women's, they are pretty much basically halfway through their season. They are... It, they've just gotten past the first couple of games in conference play. And for the men's, they currently have a nine and eight overall record, with uh, four of those games being a two and two record in conference play, with wins against Marshall, and recently uh, on Monday, uh, uh, an amazing blowout win over Charlotte. So, how do we? How do you guys evaluate the men's performance so far at this point of the season? It's been an up and down season so far. They've been consistent at home but they need to find better you know victories on the road i think they've got what two wins on the road thus far one is it one, one just one win marshall it was the marshall win and you know it, it was the, to open conference play so that seemed promising but now you know they they've been kind of 50 50 so we'll see where the season continues but it goes along with the track that head coach Dusty may has been taking the team for the past couple seasons yeah, losing those tough games on the road this past week to Middle Tennessee and to um, to Birmingham, that was – yeah, that, those were both tough games. Especially the Middle Tennessee game, they just didn't really look like they had a lot to give. It was like there was, the 15-point deficit was the closest they came in the second half, and I mean, that's, that's just – it's tough to see that. But the win over Charlotte was promising. But we'll see if they can keep this momentum going into the into this week and uh, hopefully they can, uh, they can take a victory in the next matchup. Oh, yeah, definitely. Uh, for the men's – uh, it was tough uh, losing those games at Middle Tennessee and uh, UAB, especially the game against UAB because they almost had it. They were leading in that game until UAB just took over the rest of the, for the rest of the second half, and it was just downhill from there. But it was good seeing them recover against Charlotte, especially against Charlotte, uh, since they were lights out from the three-point line. They made like all, over 70% of their three-point attempts. So... While it's not expected for them to shoot like that every every other game, uh, having a performance like that is definitely uh, good to boot, uh, keep their hopes high in uh, potentially making a run in the conference tournament. So hopefully they can keep it up. And I know on Thursday that they will be going against Western Kentucky. They'll be hosting them. And I know that Bryce will be there, if I'm not mistaken. And it will be a good game. Western Kentucky it does have – a good record overall and in conference play at the moment. So definitely a game to keep an eye on on Thursday. And switching over to the women's, unfortunately they haven't had the same amount of luck as the men's had. Um, the women's currently have a four and 11 overall record and they have yet to win a game in conference play, losing all four uh, games so far. 
and they, this it does get worse uh, since one of the best players in Amber Gaston is down for the count with a hand injury. Uh, Bryce, what do you think the women's team has to do to recover from those growing pains of losses? I don't know what the issue is right now. Maybe adjusting to a new coaching staff. You know, Coach Sullivan, this is her first year coming from a new school. Um, it was promising having her come in. Maybe, you know, over the next few games, once she still, you know, learns how Conference USA works, she'll be able to coach the team a little bit better. Um, but as for right now, it is scary um, with Amber Gaston out. That head injury that she sustained in the game on Saturday, um, it didn't look good. We'll see now how long she's out, but it definitely looks like it's at least a concussion for her. Uh, wasn't it on Thursday that this injury was sustained? I thought that game it could have been on Thursday, but I thought it was Saturday's game. Hmm. Yeah, but I'm pretty sure it was the game against Middle Tennessee on Thursday that it happened. It was a home game after all, but yeah, it was very uh, unfortunate for the for the team to have an injury like that happen, and they lose one of the main scoring options, and their offense becomes very limited as a result. So it's very unfortunate, and um, hopefully they can bounce back from it and. Uh, it was tough seeing them lose uh, yesterday uh, on the road against uh, Old Dominion. And uh, uh, speaking of that game against Old Dominion, it was their first game uh, facing a former teammate, Iggy Allen, who was with them last season before she transferred to, OD, to ODU. So, And they were leading at one point in that game, but as how UAB took over against the men's, uh, Old Dominion did the same against the women's. So... And the women um, did not do themselves any favors in that game either. They conceded 31 turnovers, which is currently the most they've committed this season. So they definitely got to take care of that. So it's going to be a tough uh, route looking forward uh, as they're without Amber Gaston at the moment. Uh, and what do you think about that, uh, Bryce? Yeah, it's, it's definitely going to be tough. In that game against ODU, you could see the fire in Iggy Allen as well. She wanted to reign victory over FAU. She was trying to do everything she could. Um, I, I think moving forward, though, they'll, they'll slowly find some success. Um, you can see the team is starting to, you know, work together a little bit better. Um, I just think it's a learning curve with them right now. Yeah, definitely. Hopefully they can get it together as the season goes on, but right now it's just not looking good at the moment. And that will be it for FU Sports. Now, well, uh, it was mentioned earlier at the start of this podcast, but there was a, a crazy weekend of wild card games that happened in the NFL. Um, some games were had expected results, like the uh, Tampa Bay Buccaneers and the Philadelphia Eagles. That was like a very expected win for Tampa Bay. But... There was also an upset, and it involves a certain team called the Dallas Cowboys as they lost to the San Francisco 49ers on their own home field. So, guys, what happened in that game that really made you like, how could Dallas lose this again? It just it looked like they didn't really want it. That's really, I think, the only way I could describe it. San Francisco just seemed like they wanted it more. That Like, just from watching that game, and people will point out at the refs in the last, like, 15 seconds that the refs, they could have done a better job. But the Cowboys, they shouldn't even have left it up into the refs' hands. So it still comes back to the Cowboys at the end of the day. 
Uh, yeah, definitely. San Francisco had a lot more drive in that game. Um, at the end, you know, Dak Prescott was saying in the post-game presser that he was upset with the way the refs handled that last play, but ultimately he could have went down a little bit earlier, saved some time to have another shot at the end zone, or they could have taken two shots at the end zone. I think it was just bad play calling and bad play decisions. Yep, absolutely. Yeah, and it makes it even worse that uh, San Francisco almost lost the game because of the interception from uh, Jimmy Garoppolo that almost gave Dallas a lifeline to actually come back and win. So it, it pours more salt into uh, the fans of Dallas of the Dallas Cowboys. And <laughs> it's just another year, another loss in the playoffs for the Cowboys, which is sad but very funny for those who are not Cowboys fans. And, yeah, if I remember right, that was, what, a record 11th straight playoff trip without making the championship game? <laughs> Something like that, yeah. Hey, uh, Colin Kaepernick has more playoff wins than the Cowboys do the, over the last decade. <laughs> yeah, that's something you almost can't help but laugh at unless you're a Cowboys fan. <laughs> you know, Cowboys fans put the team on such a high pedestal. And mm-hmm. They might be coming back to reality after that loss. No, they won't. They won't. We'll still hear about the Cowboys every single day on ESPN and all these other talk shows. The hype will never die with the Cowboys, bro. It's just, it doesn't matter how much they lose. And as for the other wild card games, I I did take a look at uh, how uh, the New New England Patriots saw their season end because of a perfect offensive performance from the Buffalo Bills. Uh, The score was like, what, uh, 47 to 17? And no punts from the Bills at all on any other mm-hmm. drives, as all of them were pretty much touchdowns. It, that was a great offensive performance by Buffalo. Like, you, you, you got to talk it up to them. They really uh, just <laughs> torched uh, New England's defense, even though the Patriots' defense has, has particularly been good this season until Buffalo was like, all right, let's just light them up uh, uh, like, uh, like in the passing game, in the running game, like everything, especially with Josh Allen. He was pretty much at his best uh, Saturday, so it it was. Yeah. But yeah, <laughs> yeah, that that was peak Josh Allen. Yeah, the, it was unfortunate for the Patriots. Um, both cold weather games they played against the Bills, both terrible weather games they played against the Bills. They weren't able to come away with a win. Um, they did beat the Bills earlier in the season with one win, but. You know, what can you say about Josh Allen and that Buffalo Bills offense? They scored a touchdown on seven consecutive drives and just completely dominated the game offensively and held the Patriots to 17 points. But at the same time, you got to give a little credit to Mac Jones. He's not used to an environment like that. It was his first career playoff game as a rookie. So, and he had a good season. He finished with a winning record. So, yeah, definitely. Uh, the Patriots did. Uh... A play up to expectations, and especially back Jones. I my expectations for him going to the season was just uh, just do the best you can, especially as a rookie QB, a starting rookie QB, no less. And he definitely exceeded my expectations. Like getting the team to a winning record, bringing him back to the playoffs after one year and not making it. Uh, it was definitely a good season for Mac Jones, and hopefully he continues improving his passing game and everything else. So. As long as Mac Jones can keep it up, the Patriots are are pretty much good for the next few years as long as they keep uh, retooling and adding more pieces to the team. And as you look at the the, 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 the divisional round of the 
of the NFL playoffs. Uh, what matchup are you more hyped for, guys? Well, what, what are the matchups looking like? The Niners, they are playing... Packers. The Packers. Ooh, yeah. Definitely looking forward for that one. That's a classic classic rivalry. Um, I, I want to see how the, 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 the Packers defense can hold up against this red-hot 49ers team. I think that, for me, that's got to be the most intriguing game of the divisional playoffs. Well, I am excited to see the Bengals in the divisional round um, for the first time in over 30 years uh, after their win. That was pretty exciting. Um, I think I'm really excited for the Sunday night game, though. It's going to be two high-scoring offenses between, you know, the Bills and the Chiefs. I think it's they're playing Sunday night, I believe. Um, it's going to be a yeah, great game. They both score. I think the Chiefs in their game scored six on their first six drives, and the Bills, I know, scored on their first seven drives. So I'll be interested to see if the defenses can hold anything out or if it's just going to be a high-scoring game. Yeah, absolutely. Two games in that round, especially uh, Chiefs and Bills, and uh, on the NFC side, the Bucks and the Rams, those two games are definitely more uh, anticipated because I do think the Titans will be in the – AFC championship. I think they are the heavy favorites against the Bengals and the Packers. They should beat the 49ers, but it should be a good game. No less, but those two games, uh, uh, Bucks and Rams, as well as chiefs and bills. Those are two, uh, heavily, uh, games with lots of anticipation. And we'll see if home field advantage has anything to do with that NFC matchup because the Rams did win in LA earlier this season, but now they're going to be in Tampa and Tampa has been pretty strong at home. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I, I think I think Tampa I think Tampa has the edge in that one. I, I think they just I, I think they got it. But we'll see what Matt Stafford. Matt Stafford's never been in this position. We'll see what he's like. I don't think he's I don't think he's ever made it this far in the playoffs. Like I could be yeah, wrong. This is his first playoff win. Yeah. So, but yeah, it will definitely be very interesting, and we'll see how the conference championships uh, look like uh, like over a week from now. And uh, moving on from the NFL, we have the NBA. Uh, the NBA is currently halfway through, over halfway, at least halfway through their season. And uh, with uh, the playoff position starting to take shape in some, in some spots more than others, uh, definitely want to go over like uh, our midseason awards on how the players on each team has performed. And uh, yeah, so guys, uh, who is our most valuable player at this point in the season? Uh, I think for me, I think it has to be Steph Curry. Everything he's done for the Warriors, he's carried them to a top record in the West. They're, they're not the number one seed, but they're a lot better than we thought they would be. They've exceeded expectations. Um, and I think Giannis is also a dark horse, which is odd to say since he's a, a two-time MVP. And it's odd that we're not talk- that people aren't talking about him as an MVP candidate. But I think Giannis is right up there in the conversation with Curry. I would definitely have to agree with that. Um, Giannis, you know, people – aren't talking about him as much this season, but I don't think the Bucks would be where they are without him. Uh, and Steph Curry has just been amazing this season. The Warriors have had success behind him. And, you know, now that they have some players back that are healthy, it's only going to help their case. And usually better team, the better the team, you'll have the MVP on that team. Yeah, uh, definitely. Uh, Steph Curry is uh, my front runner for the MVP award and for other honorable mentions, like going under the radar, as you mentioned, Kevin, like Giannis, and I would argue uh, Nikola Jokic, who has kept the Nuggets afloat very well. 
Like he's constantly making plays for the team and he's just keeping the Nuggets alive in the playoff picture. Like they're not going in the lottery because of him, which makes his value like skyrocket as a result since they're still without a Jamal Murray at the moment. So props to Jokic for keeping the Nuggets afloat and uh, Giannis, he's just doing, (laughs) he's just doing the typical and he's just been so much better at the free throw game and he's just more well round. He's more rounded out as a player than he's been so far in his career, which is very good for him. And he definitely deserves his place in the conversation for MVP. It's crazy to say that Giannis is getting better, even though he's a two-time MVP, a finals MVP. It's just, it's insane to think about, but yeah, he is getting better. And uh, for the next award, uh, defensive player of the year, I would have to go with Draymond. Uh, he's definitely been a key part in, uh, how the Warriors have played defense and how they, um, how they compose themselves on the court and how they never, like, they, they always compose. They never lose control on uh, whenever they win um, the wins they have this season so far. And as you can see, as of recently, the Warriors haven't been at their best, especially without Draymond because he is out for a few weeks due to injury. And his influence on the court really matters to the Warriors. So, for defensive player of the year, I have Draymond as my pick at the moment. I do too. He's been awesome this year. Uh, he's, I think he's the best defender in basketball. Uh, Rudy Gobert will, of course, get some consideration from the analytical nerds. Uh, as long as, as long as Rudy Gobert is on the court, and we did see what the, the Jazz look like without him, so I mean that further helps his case. The Jazz were not very good when he was missing for those few games, but yeah, Gobert will always be in the conversation, I think. But for me, it's Draymond as well. I don't know, man. With the way Russell Westbrook dunked on him last night and the way Stan <laughs> was bullying him inside the paint to the, in the loss to the Lakers, I would uh, consider him. <laughs> so, Bryce, what, what, who would your pick, pick be? Oh, I would definitely have Draymond as well. Um, you see the success that the team has with him versus the, what they don't have, and you, you see the points they give up when he's not there versus when he's there. If anybody else is in contention, I'd be shocked. Um in the eyes of the voters. Yeah. Um, and as for uh, coach of the year, uh, who would that be uh, in your view? I have, I think it's JB Bickerstaff of the Cleveland Cav- um, Cavaliers. For me, that, that would be my pick. I think nobody thought the Cavaliers would be a top five seed right now in the Eastern Conference. Yeah. They're like nine games over 500. He's getting everything out of uh, he can out of Evan Mobley and their the other young court of talent. Not to mention they don't have one of their best players as well. So it's just it's been a, an up and down year for the Cavaliers in terms of injuries and COVID protocols. But through that, they've still prevailed, and I think a lot of the credit goes to to Bickerstaff. Yeah, I understand that. He JB Bickerstaff definitely deserves to be in the running for coach of the year, but. Uh, I would make an argument for uh, Monty Williams for the Phoenix Suns. Uh, The way uh, Phoenix has kept up their momentum ever since making the finals last season has definitely been a sight sight to watch for for Suns fans and normal fans alike because the Suns have really kept it up. They are currently leading the Western Conference. They're above Golden State. And even though they're without DeAndre Ayton, they've held their ground. And Chris Paul and Devin Booker – and all the other guys on the team, they really kept it up, and it's been uh, it's been it's been it's been great to see from them. 
Yeah, Monty Williams has been able to keep success in Phoenix. I would definitely have to agree with that. Um, there's no question about it. And then another coach that, you know, is usually always in contention, at least for fans in South Florida, has got to be Eric Spolstra. Um, but I don't think he's going to get it this year. Um, I know there's, you know, fans around here in South Florida that's going to want it. But I think Monty Williams is, as of right now, the best coach. And uh, looking at the rookie of the year, uh, right now, uh, Kevin, uh, I know you talked about J.B. Bickerstaff on the Cavs. Does that rookie year also apply to uh, Evan Mobley? Yeah, I think Evan Mobley, I think he's got it locked up. He's, he's a heavy favorite right now in the betting odds. Um, Scotty Barnes is a close second, but even yeah. like not really close second. He's a, a distant second, I should say. But then everybody else is like just further behind in the odds. I, I, Evan Mobley, his impact has been felt like the Cavs went from being a bottom tier team. And then they draft him, and now they're a top five seed. I, I, I think that says everything you need to know about how, the impact of Evan Mobley. It's, it's been, yeah, it's been very surprising to see how the Cavs are this year's surprise team. And then you look at last season, especially with the Knicks, they were a surprise team as well. So seeing Cleveland come out of nowhere, and for Evan Mobley as well, like uh, he, he could have been an under-the-radar rookie. He could have been uh, quietly playing well while Scotty Barnes gets the spotlight. But no, he, he showcased him, himself to be a, a re, the real deal in Cleveland, and Cleveland's uh, reaping the benefits of that. So Cleveland has to be happy with where they are right now. They're not even in the playing spots. They're in the top five or top six of the Eastern Conference, and it looks like they'll keep uh, their place in there. So if they can keep it up, they, Cavs fans are definitely optimistic for what they have in the future. Uh, Bryce, how would your pick for Rookie of the Year go? Oh, yeah, there's no question that Evan is the Rookie of the Year in the NBA right now. Um, his impact for the Cavs is ridiculously amazing. Uh, the Cavs, I don't think, would be in the playoffs without him right now. Um, I don't even think they would have a chance towards the end of the season without him. So, I mean, that could almost qualify for MVP, but I would rather have him as my Rookie of the Year than an MVP because I don't think he's that caliber yet. And uh, for our next award, a six-man of the year. Uh, if the answer is not Tyler Hero, it is not correct. <laughs> Tyler Hero has definitely done an amazing job as a six-man for Miami. Despite the injuries they have accumulated this season, with Jimmy Butler being down for a while, and he, and even though he's come back, Bam was also out for a couple of weeks. So for Tyler Hero to be playing the way he has off the bench for Miami, eh, Definitely props to him. He's been lighting it up off the bench so far this season. Yeah. Is there is there really another answer here? Not really. No. They're, they're, it's just Tyler Hero's been – he took that leap, that third-year leap. Everybody thought he hit the, the rookie wall in his second year, and that was kind of it. He was going to tail off, and there was a lot of hype. But he's proven to be a really good player, and he could potentially be an all-star this year as well. He's been playing that good, so – uh, yeah, I think he's going to run away with this. I don't really see anybody catching him. Yeah, Tyler here has it locked in. I mean, his rookie season, he performed pretty good. And then it, he had that sophomore slump. A lot of people were wondering if, you know, it was just a one and done for him. But he's come back with a vengeance this season. And there's no question that he's the sixth man of the year. If somebody votes for somebody else for sixth man of the year, I don't know what's wrong with them. <laughs> yeah, it should be unanimous. Yeah, I definitely think that Tower Hero should be six man of the year, like no matter what. And for the last award is uh, most improved player. 
For my pick, it would be Anthony Edwards from the Minnesota Timberwolves. He's definitely shown a lot of progression from his rookie year. And, uh, and with Minnesota being in the playoff hunt, like they currently have one of the playing spots in the Western Conference, they've definitely uh, exceeded uh, – they're definitely overachieving this season as it looks like the trio of D'Angelo Russell, Carl Anthony Towns, and Anthony Edwards is starting to come together. It's looking pretty good for them. Uh, Anthony Edwards, I was not expecting that name. Um, I think John Moran's got this one locked up, I think. Uh, He's uh, uh, MVP conversation, but most improved, uh, I would say Anthony Edwards. (laughs) uh, I think to me it's between John Moran and Miles Bridges. Both those guys have taken leaps. Uh, John's gone from a borderline all-star to a certified all-star. He's carried the the Grizzlies to a top four seed. And Miles Miles Bridges. Hornets. Hornets. (laughs) Huh? Miles Bridges, he's a uh, Charlotte Hornets, a uh, John Morant's Grizzlies. <laughs> yeah, I was I was talking about John Morant. Yeah. Oh. Okay. Um, and then Miles Bridges, he went from averaging like what, like twelve points a game last season. Now he's averaging twenty points. Like he's he's become a, a major factor for that team. Him and Lamelo have great chemistry. He's going to be a max contract player. The Hornets are going to make the playoffs. I think I, I think it's a close race between those two. I would pick Miles Bridges over. I would pick Miles over Jaw, um, definitely, because Jaw was already at that level where he was a great player. Um, now he's, you know, cemented that in everybody's eyes nationally. You know, in Memphis, they saw him, they saw his potential, but Miles wasn't on that national stage before as much as, you know, Jaw. So I think, you know, him cementing himself as what I think is an all-star this season qualifies him as the most improved player. Yeah, definitely. Um, uh, that will be for done for the awards. And uh, for two more uh, uh, topics, it would be the most surprising team and the most disappointing team at this point in the season. Starting off with the most surprising team, I think we've pretty much uh, come to a consensus that the Cleveland Cavaliers have definitely surprised us, exceeded a lot of people's expectations, especially with the way they've done it. Like, they literally have three big men in their starting lineup, then Jared Allen, Evan Mobley, and Laurie Markinen. And then you have Kevin Love coming off the bench, being a a spot-up three-point shooter. And uh, it's been working wonders for them as they are in a playoff spot for the Eastern Conference. So I would definitely agree with uh, having the Cavs as the best surprising team this season. Oh, yeah, without a doubt. And... For the most disappointing team, who would your who which team would you pick? Um, if I had to pick one, I would say the Atlanta Hawks. Mm. I think I think they're the single most disappointing team. They're now minus seven or seven below five hundred, I should say. And they went from making the Eastern Conference Finals last season to not even really in playoff contention. I, I don't see how it could be another team. Yeah, it, it really is disappointing, you know how last season just seems to be a fluke. Um, now they're just a struggling team that with the way things are going, they won't make the playoffs. Um, and they had a chance to go to the NBA finals last season with how good they performed. So it's really disappointing to see something like that happen. Yeah, it's a, it is unfortunate because of that run last season. Uh, Trey Young continues to bring it every, every game. But unfortunately, that defense, it is very flawed. Like the offense, no matter how good it can be, that defense has to be fixed in some ways that right now it just can't at the moment. 
And so with that, that would conclude our first episode of You Press Play Sports to start the spring 2022 semester. Uh, make sure to keep up with, with notifications from the University Press. Uh, be sure to hit like and follow and keep up with notifications on whether how when we post stories on the website and more. Uh, to follow us on Twitter, for me, it's at Rich26Barrera. For Bryce, it's at Bryce Totes. And for Kevin, it's at KevinGar658. So that will conclude our episode for today. And uh, have, a, have a great day, everyone.